It's good to be with you again. I realized I was talking to Dick Bush last week. We were standing right back there, and, and he said, wow, I've missed you. And I said, well, thank you. I've missed you, too. Uh, around Christmas time, our family took off for two weeks, and then we came back to the mudslide and were isolated in Carpinteria for Sunday. And then I had a mission team meeting, and then I had a Sunday school teachers meeting. And in the world of birth through 18, I am upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, a lot in that building. I am still with you. I haven't left. Uh, I'm back. And if you're new and you're going, who is this guy anyway? Well, hello. Uh, and so being in that world of youth and children, of course, uh, one, uh, I love taking care of them and shepherding them and being with families and our wonderful volunteer staff that we have. But inevitably, I will have some dreams or memories, of course, of my youthful days and my childhood days in the youth area. Often it is uh, having a dream about having forgotten my locker combination. I don't know if any of you have ever had that dream and you just, or you forgot where your locker is. I've had that dream too. Uh, the other one is, and I don't have any other math, I don't think I have math people in this service, but I always have this recurring dream that I forgot to take a math class in high school and I've never really graduated. So college graduation discounted, uh, you know, seminary doesn't happen because I haven't graduated that math class. So there's always those memories that stream in. A childhood memory that I have, and, you know, it almost will, it will sound a little traumatic, but it wasn't that bad. But one of going over to the church and having to turn off a light that was left on. Now, you may think, well, that's a funny one to have. But my dad was a pastor. And for 48 years of my 59-year life, I have lived in a parsonage, including about 27 over here in this one. And so as a kid, uh, my dad allowed me to have the adventure of going over to turn that light off that may have gotten left on. Of course, the light that was left on was in the far corner of a building. And did Doug take a flashlight? No. He walks over there with a key and gets in the fumbling around in the dark. My dad finally taught me the this strategy of a trail of lights. He said, Doug, when you go in a room, turn on the first light you see, and then as you go to get to that light you need to turn off, go opposite, right? That's simple. And, you know, when I lived next door to the church here and I'd look over from my house and see a light on, that childhood memory come up, okay, leave a trail of lights. And then we had better parking lot lights that helped a lot. But there's just always this fear that maybe somebody was in here or, you know, they got a little too comfortable with church and decided to sleep on a pew and I would just run into them by accident. Light leads us, leads our paths. Light gives us comfort. And today we're going to look at a passage in Mark that talks about light. We're going to pull out some truths as we lead into our time of communion. So if you would... Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 21 and read this short passage together. Whoops. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get. 
and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Well, let's put this in context. The book of Mark is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the shortest of the Gospels. And in the Bible, in, in, depending on your version, we'll go with the version that uses immediately. Fifty-nine times the word immediately appears in the entire Bible. Forty-one of those are in the book of Mark. Mark was a man of action. I want to meet this guy when I get to heaven because he seemed to be speeding around. I just kind of this cartoonish Speedy Gonzalez kind of guy in my life. And, you know, his version of this story was often, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000. Immediately he got on a boat and went out to the lake. And when he got done with the boat, he immediately went to the beach. And when he got done with the beach, immediately he went to sleep. And immediately he woke up, you know. So there's a lot of that. And depending on your version, it might say straight away or right away. Uh, so it was interesting. For the first time in studying this portion of Mark, I realized that he had done it again without using the word immediately. Many scholars have said that what Mark has done in this little passage has taken four truths that were spread out among the book of Matthew or even some of the other Gospels where they were detailed a little bit more. And Mark said, I'm just going to get right to the point. Bam, here's a paragraph. And so these were important things to him, and they are for us today. So our topic is four truths and a light. Four truths and a light. First truth is our faith is meant to be seen. Verse 21, if you look at that, says, is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed or, and not on the lampstand? And of course, the writer here is making a, a ridiculous statement, right? Like, why would you light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket or something big, or why would you hide it under the bed? And we won't talk about safety codes at that point, but why would you do that? Why would you not put it on a lampstand? And of course, back to childhood memories. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. How many of you know that song? You remember that song? Yeah, a lot of hands. Well, one of my favorite verses was uh, of that was, Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I think maybe because I got to say no. I didn't get to say that at home very emphatically. So to say it at church was really pretty cool. But I love the the reminder of that. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Our faith is meant to be seen. Choosing to live for Christ and follow him means it shows in our lives. It shows beyond a prayer of thanks we might give it a meal. It shows beyond uh, reading a devotional or having a short prayer. Those are all important But it goes beyond that. It shows in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, the choices we make. And of course, Jesus did not call us to get into the face of people and say, look at my faith. He wants our light to shine through who we are and to see all around. The second truth is the truth always comes out. Verse 22 says, for there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Another version I read says, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open 
and every secret will be brought to light. Now, for many of us, and you can probably replay a tape in your time, if not right now, where you have had the feeling that will the truth ever come out in this situation I'm experiencing? You want justice. Will the truth ever come out? Let's go back to this passage. Jesus reminds us, yes, indeed, the truth will come out. And of course, this is both at once terrifying and comforting, right? If you are hiding something in your life, the truth will come out. If somebody else is hiding something, this is the happy part or the comforting part. The truth will come out. Yesterday at our mission conference, one of our speakers, Ephraim Smith, mentioned an old preacher who quoted, When Jesus returns, it is justice. Until Jesus returns, it's just us. That's a dangerous place to be with the truth because God's light will shine on that. And we've seen it happen so many times, haven't we? Where uh, I feel like I read this in the paper every other day, a story of a hardened criminal who's gotten away and been on the run for maybe months, maybe even years. And how is that person found? A broken taillight. Something dumb. The truth will come out. It always comes out. And I remember a line from a great song that we've sung way in our past, the Battle Hymn of Republic. His truth is marching on. And it will march on. The third truth. There is a balance in giving and getting. Verse 23 says, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. There is a direct relationship with what we give and what we get. Now, I talk with many people of all ages on the values and principles of relationship, and especially friendship, Uh, not just with kids, not just with youth, but with adults as well. And we've heard the great principle, if you want to have friends, you have to be a friend, right? So that is a giving and getting kind of thing. And we realize that in our life, it's very easy for us to not put as much effort forward, but yet expect that we're going to get a lot more somehow. And Jesus is reminding us, if you want to get, if you want to get in a good way, then you've got to learn to give. Because that's how it's going to happen. Now, is it always in the physical direct proportion to what we get or we give? No, no. But we do have the reward when we serve our risen Lord and Savior. That when we give, we're going to have the reward of knowing that we have been faithful. And that we have been good light shiners. And God will reward us far beyond the proportion we would have expected. Finally, truth number four. Good good works bring more work to do. Verse 25 says, For to to those who have, more will be given, and from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now, when I got to this truth, I thought, you know, I'm not sure this sounds all good. Wait a minute, if I do good work, you're going to give me more work. And I'm thinking, those of you who are in that busy cycle right now, not all of us, but 
wait a minute. Okay, I want to do good work, but I don't need more. But then I had to reframe this whole thing. God said, okay, quiet down. It's okay. This is something good. And I realized that if we're letting our light shine, we are going to see rewarding moments. Maybe not all the time, but we're going to see some. And when our life is life-giving and we see purpose in it, in those moments we go, yes, give me more of that. I want to do more of that because that is the cry of our heart. And God gives us the tools to do that. So this is, this is a good thing. And then this verse reminds us if we decide to not do good work, even what little we have, which he says is nothing. So now we're into negative territory. We have nothing. He's going to take away from that. Our muscles for giving are going to turn to flab. And we don't want that. Right now, we're in a moment in the life of our community, no secret to us, where our light could be shining brighter than it has in, in past moments. We have people around us, of course, that are hurting. And I, as I looked at all the different, we have pretty much three different zones in our community right now. Those who've been directly impacted by the mudslides and the fires, those in the Carpinteria isolation zone for a while there, and those on this side who all of us have connections, but life was going on a little bit as usual in some, to some degree. However, we know that the trauma that has been experienced by all of us, all of us in our community, is not something that we can just flip the switch and go, okay, I'm ready to be done talking about that and move back to normal. Because we realize where we are right now is still kind of a heroic stage. And that sooner or later, the, the services, the, the talk about it will disappear even more. And yet, we know people who have been directly affected and still will have no house. And still will have lost loved ones. And we will know those people. And then uh, we'll, there will be a lot of discouragement and feeling lonely and abandoned. And church, this is our time. This is our time to be patient, to walk alongside people, to take care of ourselves and to realize we're a part of this too and that we can let our light shine. And I thought of four big ways that we could, our light can shine now in our community and for all of time to come. But a listening ear, a calming presence, being a good brother and sister in the family of God. And, of course, bringing the hope of Christ to all people who are around us. We don't know when this will happen, but we're going to be ready. We can be light shiners that way. I came up with this image earlier in the week before I finished the sermon, and now I wish I had a different image here. But light is always greater than darkness. Candle is good. That should have been a dump truck over here of darkness. I've seen a lot of dump trucks parked near my house in Carpinteria. I love it how God uses real life to remind us how powerful light is. When you're in a darkened room, completely black, all it takes is a pin light or a little candle. And at once you feel more comforted. You feel like you can see. But if there's a light room and we backed a dump truck on this deck right now and dumped darkness into this room, what would happen? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
And God's reminder to us every day is that though we see darkness, though we experience darkness around us, that it will never, ever be greater than his light, ever. And so on those dark days, as Jesus sat with his disciples, and he told them what he was going to do, and he had told them a couple of other times too, he reminded them that though it would be dark, that the light would be coming. And he took some elements that were around him, around their lives all the time, the bread and the grape juice. And he said, these represent what I am doing to sacrifice, what I am doing to give my life so that you could experience eternal life, so that we together walk in the light that God has created. So today, we invite you, if you affirm that, that you are walking with the, in the light of Christ and that you want to follow in his footsteps and be a light shiner, this is for you. If this is the first time that you're thinking about this, you go, I want to walk with Jesus too, this is for you. So let's take some moments now and read some words which will help us prepare our hearts and minds for this time of communion and let the Lord speak to us even more about what it means to be a light for him.